anything, anywhere, the four primary questions for masculine initiation. You know, God is kind enough to wait for the question and desire for initiation to arise in the heart. He is the initiator, and we are the ones invited, beckoned to respond to this wild love. Rob, this has been a long time in coming, in dreaming about, in preparing for, to gather together for a series of conversations um, after we've done so many miles together over years of participating in the recovery of our masculine initiation and inviting others to come alongside of us. And so thanks for joining me for this conversation and welcome. Yeah, Morgan, well well said. This is a long time coming and I'm just smiling. I'm just smiling at the timing of God, at the timing of all things. And uh, I'm just so grateful to be here with you. Yeah, there's flash moments coming to my heart, Rob, as I think of the earliest days where we shared retreats together. You he, out here in Colorado, a time of chainsawing together, holding slices of 80-year-old trees ring by mm. ring, just seeing a picture of something external that matches the internal landscape of a human heart. And I think of mm. us sharing miles in Australia where we were side by side leading a Become Good Soil Intensive going after the hearts of the next generation. Um, there are all these moments coming together and, and I think I wanna just start by backing up and just asking the question afresh so that people can orient to who we are and what we're about and why we are about it and how that relates to a man who is receiving um, this podcast and coming into a conversation real time, believing that God wants to meet him here and has a invitation in all of this to his heart to come along to taste and see. So could you give me some background? Assuming I don't know, can you give me some of the backstory of who is Rob Porter and how you came into this message of recovering your heart as a man? Mm. And that that's so such an important question, Morgan, because you can dive straight into you know, the good that God is up to and some of the miraculous things that have, that have unfolded, but actually we're normal guys. Absolutely. I'm, I'm such a normal guy, hopefully. Um, I'm, I'm 42. I live in New Zealand. We moved here as a family in 2019. I'm originally from the UK. Um, I've been married for almost 12 years to my New Zealand wife, PJ. We have three children seven-year-old Abigail, five-year-old Chloe, and 11-month-old Seth. So how I kind of came into this uh, story, I go back to 2013. So I had done a, quite an extensive background in uh, graphic design, um, education, uh, very traditional um, education in, in that kind of sector, um, and so my heart actually was really allowed to cultivate creativity and exploration. I was kind of free to experiment, try things, to notice, to stop, to wonder. 
And that really, I'm so thankful actually for my education in, in design because it's given my heart a, a framework to notice and to stop. And so in 2013, I stopped. Something was very off for me. I'd come to a ceiling. I I was kind of, you know, something was being taken from me that I did no longer want to give. And I felt damage being done to my soul. So this was when I'd finished my education and went into, into jobs, into working. And so there I was in London for a good, you know, almost decade working away in different places. But something kept chipping away at me through that time. Something was being lost. And so my heart was guiding me or prodding me. Um, we need to go somewhere else here, Rob. And I didn't know where to go. I I felt like I needed many upgrades to my operating system. Mm. But I couldn't articulate that at the time. I did not know what was going on. All I had, Morgan, was pages of questions and nowhere seemingly to take them. Mm. I remember a trip um, with my wife coming over to New Zealand one year to spend a Christmas. And we stopped in, in Japan for a few days. Uh, I'd never been there, but I just remember it being quite, it felt quite a dark time. You know, as I was just writing all these questions and f- just felt lost. I felt lost. And um, the church that I was involved in at the time, um, I didn't feel like there was anybody I could take any of these questions to. And so I, I, I quit my job. I took a four-day-a-week uh, role uh, and worked with one of my closest friends in the UK. And he gave me Wild at Heart to read. Mm. Now, maybe a decade earlier, I'd also come across Wild at Heart and I got halfway through and thinking it was a great book, but something in me, perhaps the formation of where I was at was not ready to receive what was on those pages. Mm. However, this time I underlined everything and all the questions that I'd been writing down, I was finding that, ah, this, this guy, John Eldridge and his friends, they're, they're going through through this or have been through it already the questions that i'm asking that caught my attention in a deep place the deepest place at the time and so there began this kind of journey of um started listening to some podcasts from wild at heart with my friend we'd have conversations i'd say hey ed let's go to uh, colorado they do events let's go <laughs> <laughs> and so we just went we just this kind of in 2015, uh, me and my friend came over, and um, and the following year we we came to one of your events, Morgan, that you facilitate the uh, Become Good Soil Intensive, and we'll get into this a bit further in our conversation. But all I will say to sort of finish this this piece is that we did not return the same, mm. uh, and we were changed for eternity. And so I'm, you know, nine, almost coming up for a decade of uh, pursuing uh, a deeper track with God. And I, I just don't know another way that I would survive the times that we're in without this track. Rob, 
I'm intrigued in your story, this idea that Wild at Heart came to you in an earlier season. And as you said, it was inspiring, it was interesting, but it wasn't fully resonating yet. And then in a different season of life where you describe this young marriage, it sounds like by the math, you are about two years in with PJ, um, but yet to have children, young career, young marriage, there was a shift where you became really accessible in your heart as a man. And I hear yes. you describing that questions defined this season more than answers or more than exclamation points. And you're obviously a very talented young man at the time. And what I want to just name for friends dialing into this conversation uh, near and afar is that, man, God with God and his kingdom in the heart of a man, timing is everything. And I would invite the men to just be curious of why this, why now? Why this conversation and why now? In other words, to just tune into the landscape of your masculine soul and get curious of what is moving you, what is attracting your heart to something you're hearing and what is disruptive, what is enticing, what are the questions, what are the presenting pain points, what is it that you want, really? Rob, what I so appreciate is we are, like you said, just about a decade now revisiting your masculine initiation. You're recovering of something ancient and yet something that's very particularly, we would say, orchestrated by a father. And you are a man who is being led, though you didn't know it at the time. So pick up then for me, orient me to this change. You and Ed are in Colorado for two events, back-to-back -back years, you come back changed for eternity. <laughs> and how would you describe the shift? Because you're coming back to the same wife and the same mm. country and the same story, the same job. We would call it chimney sweep because, you know, in our context, everyone gets to um, emphasize and relate to each other by what not by what we do, but by who we are. So we all have a mm -hmm. chimney sweep of some sort. You come back changed forever and you're ruined for your old life in a way. Can you, can you orient us to what do you mean by that and what were the implications? Mm. Brilliant question. So I'm going to read two quotes that might help um, get my heart there and also. Uh, the listener as well so the first one is by florence williams uh, with a book called the nature fix and she says when the brain is resting from its onslaught of daily tasks it's making room for something else okay the next quote is from ernest shackleton famous arctic explorer we had pierced the veneer of outside things. We had reached the naked soul of man. And so where my heart goes to those this morning in New Zealand <laughs> is um, 
it was like a smelling salt, uh, Morgan, to my soul, um, to my body, to my heart and mind. Uh, to remember, to remember things that had been lost. Who who was I becoming? You know, um, during my education times, you know, it's very exciting to be on the edge of uh, discovery of things and being curious about about creation. But that time in London, things started to get lost and forgotten and buried. Um, and so that's kind of what happened, I would say, uh, for me and Ed as we came back <clears throat> back to the UK. And we we had the fortunate position of working together at the time. So we'd be in dialogue every day and we'd have these um uh, supposed uh work meetings <laughs> in, scheduled in our calendar where we'd go to a local pub and and ask each other questions that you may have posed morgan mm. at the time in some of your blog writing and we'd practice we'd practice having conversation about big ideas and questions that were being posed and so we were we were being initiated by the father um, with our peers at Wild at Heart and my one of my few, me and Ed. Um, so that's where my heart went with that, Morgan. Mm. So as I'm just entering that space with you and Ed in these pseudo-work meetings, <laughs> I yes. just love it. I love it. And here are the themes that I'm hearing, and I want to ask you about it more. I hear the theme of risk-taking. You you had to follow something curious. You had a curiosity. Is there more? And you had to take a risk with a real person, an imperfect relationship to say, we're just going to try this. We're going to try, as you said, wrestling, practicing, asking some big questions of ourselves and of someone else. There was some deep risk-taking. And the other theme I hear in your language that I don't want to take for granted, Rob, is there is this language of sonship. I hear a peace and a strength being drawn from a worldview that it's not up to you, that you're not the center of the story, that you actually have a father, that God is actually a father who is at work, who has your best interest at the center of his heart, that's orchestrating a, re a rescue mission and a path and process of maturing and something we would name as initiation. These are themes that I'm just observing. Can you reflect back where did risk-taking fit in and what of this idea of sonship? Yeah, risk taking. Risk taking is, um, and we'll we'll get a little bit more to that as well as we come to um, some current things that are unfolding. But I something deep in me changed significant enough back in 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 fifteen two thousand fifteen that I was just willing to to risk, mm. um, you know letting go of this of this idea that my career is going to bring me the answers and the wealth that's needed 
there was a there was a dying to to parts of me and continues to be in different places and mm. will always be that way but a lot of things needed to die that that the father was inviting me to to follow him through so that i may remember how to be a son again that was a big theme for me back then morgan um, i'd forgotten how to be a son mm. i forgot i i um yeah my my parents divorced um when i was um zero um i grew up with with um with a, a stepdad and my uh, i'd visit my my birth dad if you like every every second weekend um but long story short there it got to a point where i wasn't being pursued in a way that my masculine heart needed to be and there's no blame there's no condemnation there's just awareness of uh, a piece that was missing mm. and and god through his kindness you know i know you guys kind of say on some of these events that often the father will reveal these things because he wants to bring healing and so that was the biggest piece of healing and and still continues to be as well is my my identity as a son becoming a son uh, remembering what a son does what it, what it feels like so rob by way of contrast you know in honoring men who are joining our conversation it's really helpful to me to get super practical super pragmatic as we sort of make big profound ideas operational because to say something had been lost and you had forgotten what it's like to be a son and as you said as you were growing and maturing you were not being pursued the way you needed to be and you were not being initiated no, there, your father was incapable he didn't have the internal resources to lead you in a wholehearted um, path towards becoming an initiated man. Contrast that to me now. You, 12 years in, you've got a seven-year-old and a five-year-old princesses, this son <laughs> entrusted to your care that's almost one year, and you are taking, um, I know, big risks, even moving to New Zealand and taking on different professional work, and I know in your mission for the hearts of men, you're risk-taking left and right. How is your life different now flowing out of this fundamental belief that it's not up to me. I'm on time. I, I have more than enough. I am one who is being led. Like what, what, what does that feel like? What does that look like? What is the contrast in your ordinary everyday life as a man different than maybe where you'd say you might have been at this mile marker? Had you never really put to death sort of parts of you in order that you could move through to a greater life? Mm. I think when there's someone strong on your behalf that you can trust, like let's say Balian in the kingdom of heaven film and his father comes for him and uh, he's strong on his behalf and invites him into stepping into um, who, who Balian is. Truly, a beloved son. And I think 
I think of all the things that have happened in the last decade, the um, like pursuing uh, a ceremony, going on these different uh, experiences in different countries with different men, going after um, sitting at the feet of men and asking them about this decade of the 40s that I entered into a couple of years ago. Um, all, all of these, these tracks that God has led me down has just helped um, heal the areas in me that were orphaned to come more and more closer and closer to the truth of believe of risking to believe that I'm cared for, that it's all taken care of, that it's all going to be okay, that I'm with you, son. You know, I have a dad who's with me, uh, that there's, you know, the pressure's off, easy does it. And recently there's been a lot of redundancies in my sweep, in my in my work. Um, my job, my role was, was um, impacted significantly, but I was able to retain it. But during that process, it was interesting to observe the people around me and what they were clinging to during mm. that time. Mm. And I, I was just, it just caught my awareness, Morgan, of, of gratitude and thankfulness and belovedness that I didn't really care what would happen, to be honest. <laughs> like, I was, I was just in a very different place of being a son, like be, risking to believe that I'm cared for. And that it's all taken care of as kind of rewired faulty wiring. And so that's what I'm continuing to go after is the healing and restoration of that, which is true. I just love the the transition over time to this idea. I really didn't care what happened. In other words, some part of you came unhinged from outcomes and results being the ultimate authority on your measure yes. as a man, right? Absolutely. There's some sort of benevolent detachment that is fruit of a man passing through his initiation that you're describing. And, and, and what I want to reflect back, Rob, is, you know, you started the conversation with there were things that were lost that needed to be recovered. And I believe that that happens on a very personal level for every man because there is an enemy that wants to sabotage the glory of God, the Imago Dei, the image of God expressed in each of us as a man. There's something very particular. But then there's something very general that's just the assault on restored masculinity. And, and I just want to name this example. We, we've lost the story. And in our modern mm -hmm. world, technologically mm -hmm. centered, hyper-individualized culture, we, we've lost the story that whatever your view is on the history of humanity, however long humans have been on the earth, from the longest to the shortest worldviews on how long have we been here. Statistically speaking, 95 to 99% of that time on earth, fathers and sons lived in dangerously close proximity. 
In other words, it was a world that men and boys worked, lived, experienced life together in the field and in the forest, on the farm. It was a pre-industrialized world where 95% of people either, it was a, you know, um, a culture of hunter-gatherer or a culture that was agrarian, where it was centered on a farming world. And so what's important is men were tested. Men um, failed together, laughed together, learned together. And there's something that Robert Bly describes as an almost food that would pass from the older man to the younger man. And what, the reason why I'm describing that is masculine initiation wasn't something that even had to be formalized, though many cultures did. You know, you have the Spartan culture in 800 BC with age eight, the boys would would pull aside and enter a warrior culture. You know, 17th and 18th century of the Maasai tribes that boys would leave for four months, age 14 to 16, um, and, and go and be initiated in a culture of men. The, in different cultures, there were formal rites of passage, but in all cultures, men had a natural organic way of being initiated from boy to man, being welcomed into a tribe, being tested, being practiced at moving through death and failure into a greater life where they could become the kind of man that we would describe as wholehearted, a man with integrity through and through. And that natural process has been lost to great measure and in a world of exponential development of technology and individualization and um, a culture that's centered on the individual we now need to fight for that. We need to recover yes. the reality that this is central. What what do you hear in that and what do you observe in that? Absolutely. I I kind of wrote down yesterday, I was I was kind of just pondering our, our call together, Morgan. And um, you know, you 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 named some of the the things that are that we're up against today in our in our time on the earth. And you know, the, there's weariness, there's overload, there's onslaught of daily tasks, there's assault on our attention, there is this hyper-individualism. And there's a, there is a fractured or lack of intentional and regular community integration with others. And I, I kind of find that, you know, people are really desiring the, the something else in terms of, you know, when the brain is resting from all of this, it's making room for something else. But there, there appears to be like uh, people appear to be trapped or hemmed in or distracted, occupied elsewhere, weary and overloaded. And initiation, being in regular proximity or community with other guys heading in the same direction, is is the only way I can I can see being able to continue to stand well and love well on the earth at this time, the time I've been entrusted with. That's kind of where my my heart goes. Yeah. I also think of um, healing the masculine soul by Gordon Dalby, where he says, we're lost males, all of us, 
cast the drift from the community of men, cut off from our masculine heritage, abandoned to machines, organizations, fantasies, and drugs. And I just feel the smelling salt for, for my soul on the earth right now. Initiation is a, a way to sustain. That's that's where my heart goes. Mm. You know, I'm thinking back to that moment, uh, two moments, really. One moment where you said to your friend, Ed, who, like you said, like-hearted, um, it looked like he wanted the same things, and yet you had to risk, really, what does he want? You invited him to a deeper conversation. So a man you were working with, you took a risk to say, here's a piece of content, and here's a question. Let's take a risk together. You started with something that was actionable, that was accessible right there where you were with a man that was right in your proximity. And then you took the next risk to say, let's take our money and our time and our energy. And even in the context of young marriages and young families and say, we're going to go across the ocean to put ourselves in the proximity of other people asking these same questions. I love the risk-taking. In that spirit, I want to ask you, Rob, what else? Give me two examples of something in your story that now looking back over this decade where you have participated in masculine initiation, where you have responded to the father orchestrating your initiation. Can you give me two practical examples that would help our listeners to say, if you find yourself today saying, yes, I want more, there are parts of me that resonate with, I feel like an orphan. There are parts of me that resonate with, I feel like I'm on my own. There are parts of me that feel like, I just, I just want to say like, maybe they're lost. Some golden part of what makes me alive has been lost. Here are two things you did that are accessible mm -hmm. to say, I'm going to do something about it. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and just to, just to say as well, you know, as you wrote in one of your blogs, Morgan, um, anything, anywhere, the four primary questions for masculine initiation, you know, God is kind enough to wait for the question and desire for initiation to arise in the heart. He is the initiator and we are the ones invited beckoned to respond to this wild love. God is perfectly capable of guiding you into initiation. If this is what you want. Hmm. And so as I gave God my yes, you know, that, that blog Morgan was a significant piece to orientating my heart to opening up this kind of wonder and playfulness with God about how some of these practically might, might open up. And one of them was a ceremony, uh, which you were a part of Morgan, mm -hmm. um, from, from the U S dialing in to, uh, to a small forest <laughs> in the UK. I love it. I love it. <laughs> and so, so here I was, um, I I felt prompted at the age and stage that I was at about to move to New Zealand. I was reading um, a story called The Greatest Night, mm. and it's about William Marshall. 
and and these pages god was just wooing my heart it was talking about ceremony <clears throat> and knights uh, can only vest another knight um so masculinity bestowing masculinity essentially and my wife came home one night as i was nearing the end of this book and she said rob you never guess what church we're going to go to for our friend's wedding um, I said, yeah, well, which church? And so she mentioned this church and she said, it has William Marshall's tomb Ugh. inside this church. <laughs> and I was like, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. And Ugh. and that and a thousand other pieces, Morgan, God was weaving this beautiful tapestry mm. of inviting me into pursuing something good. And, and for me, in this practical example, it it involved a ceremony. And so I, I hit some guys up, my few, and said, hey, this is where God has me. This is what I'm kind of thinking. Um, I, I was in contact with a, a, a sage, an ally in the US. I won't embarrass him, but he's called Michael Thompson. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I just risked. I said, hey, Michael, this is this is where I'm at. I'd love for you to come over I don't know if you'd be willing to come and help facilitate this in some way. Masculinity bestows masculinity. I I needed an older an older man, a, an older king, someone further down the road than me to to bestow something that can only be bestowed in this way. Not in a ceremony way, but by an older man to a younger man. Mm. And so he he said yes. So he flew over from the US. Mm. And we went to this beautiful area in the forest of, that one of my close friends, Nathan, um, hosts bushcraft events at. And we had this camp meal, fire and story and gifts. And my, I have, it was just an exquisite banquet that I'm still recovering from. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, a sword was bestowed. There was just like God led everything though. To, the, to every detail of it, to to the sword, to um, just just everything. I just felt um, that I was recovering something that had been lost. Mm. And I wanted to see for seeds of that ceremony to go with the few that were there as well, that they would take it into their um, terrains and and um, relationships. I wanted, there's something in my heart, Morgan, that just knew it wanted to recover something, something that I I have come to know as being absolutely vital to go after, mm. which is the recovery of masculine initiation, you know, mm. masculinity, bestowing masculinity, uh, communities of men, and knowing how to do that well and intended. Um, so that was one example the, the next one briefly was a a practical example would be, um, so I simply just created a Google form and I was just marinating, what are my questions as I'm turning 40? You know, again, masculinity bestows masculinity. I can't do this on my own. And there are men out there who are willing to share their life experience, share their hearts, share their wisdom. Why would I not do that? Why would I not mm. ask some questions here? 
And so that's one of my encouraging encouragements to the listeners here is like, you know, just be aware of this hyper individualistic society we're in and an isolation and suffering alone. And it's not the intention or the design. And if we don't recover it, who will? And so I just basically sent out um, a message saying, hey, I've entered into a new frontier of initiation and becoming. As many of you know, I turned 40 recently. I've never been here before. I've no idea what the 40s is like. What's heading my way? What would serve me well to know? I need wisdom. I need guides. I need lighthearted allies. Mm. And in full confession, I feel unfathered in how to make this transition, as many do in my generation. And so I pause at a crossroad in my life to ask where a good way might be found. Mm. I desire to find the right route for my soul in this new decade. And in doing so, become the kind of man who can be entrusted to guide others. And then I outlined 13 pages of questions, which I'd probably refine to maybe three now, <laughs> a few years in. <laughs> but that was just where my my 39-year right. heart was. They were the questions. That's what came out. Mm. And so question um, answers started to come in. Questions were asked. And you know, just just kind of hearing some of the some of the answers, and I haven't actually um, gone through them all yet. But what it started to do, Morgan, was reconfirm this kind of "I'm cared for, it's all taken care of, I'm on time." There's no magic forties to do list. Mm. You know, it's all going to be okay. Mm. Easy does it. And so, it, what it did for my um, the younger parts of me needed to hear that from other men yes there was a there was a lack in in a young place that did not receive what was intended and so for me in my story receiving counsel from those before me was like a fatherly kindness to my soul mm. so moving from unfathered to fathered more settled and at peace and that's what all of this continues to do but they're two examples of where mm. I go to. It's so beautiful, Rob. I, I just love your risk-taking. Uh, I love the practicality of those examples. And what strikes me in those two examples, you know, one mentor, <clears throat> one mentor said, we are to live as one who is outrageously loved. It, it's counterintuitive because there's a world and an entire kingdom that's set against our identity to steal, kill, and destroy. But when we recover the depths of who we are as God defines us and we live as one outrageously loved, there are treasures. There's an inheritance. The full access given to mm. Christ as the Son of God is made available to us, Ephesians says. It's there for the taking, but so few of us ask, so few of us risks. And, and and what I love about those examples of there was something you needed and you needed it. Masculinity bestows masculinity. You took a risk and you invited other men in to that ceremony. And there was something that you needed, um, that you took a risk of asking for counsel in places that you lacked. 
And they're different versions of something that I want to name that's so important in masculine initiation. When one man receives a promotion, an upgrade, um, a place of repair, a place of integration in his heart as a man, everyone in the community receives an upgrade. Mm. It, it, salvation, and now I'm going to blow some circuits, salvation is as communal as it is individual. And salvation is process as much as it is an event. I just want to reflect back what I'm hearing underlying in some of your examples. Salvation is as communal as it is individual, and it is as much a process as it is an event. And so you are offering curated and distilled visibility to a life lived, responding to God, risking by day and by decade hour by hour, moment by moment, day by day, year by year, eventually accumulating to this effect of the impact of recovering the ancient path over a decade. And so, Rob, I just want to say, like, I I received an upgrade participating in that ceremony from afar. I received a profound upgrade reflecting on your questions in your forties and Mm -hmm. giving some feedback. It it, it required me to do a self-examination of my own recovery of places of victory and places of defeat. And so this is the path it's universal and it's unique and you you're, you're risking so well, Rob. And, and so I think we have time for probably one more question. And and so in light of that, I want to ask you, you took the lowest seat. You replaced your exclamation points with question marks. You took risks. You started asking questions. You took an honest inventory, asking these fundamental questions of masculine initiation. And, and, and you, you entered into a hidden decade in many ways, Rob. Like I commend you for it. And recently, God's been inviting you to do what would otherwise be impossible for a man taking the low seat at the table. He's asking you to offer. He is inviting you. He's compelling you to offer to other men. And we've done it side by side and facilitating Become Good Soil Intensives in the U.S. and in Australia. But there is this other thing rising up, no pun intended, (laughs) and it's called Let's Keep (laughs) Rising. Um, there is an offering that is incubating, but is also launched in ways. Um, and I think it's the fruit of the man that you've become. I'd love to just hear some, like what's on your heart with that? And, and why does it matter? Why did, let me say that again. Why does it matter? So for eight years, Morgan, I've been seeking God each year about what he might be inviting me into each year at the beginning of each year 
what my assignments might be, what might this year be be focusing on primarily. And for eight years, it's been construction, excavation, transformation, dreaming. And this year was the first year I sensed, um, go for it, son, I'm mm. with you. Mm. I love it. <laughs> and so, Morgan, you're right. Like, you know, this is, this does work. You know, as you've said uh, many times, like, and we hear from many allies, if you consent, God will lead you. And and so going through this holy process of lower seat of student and continuing to be student apprentice beginner, a life of student apprentice beginner. Um, but this year seems different because even having this conversation with you would not be something I, I'd be terrified of doing it, you know, a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, and now it just feels on time. And so there's three kind of tracks um, that God's invited me into this year, three assignments. And it's called let's keep rising because during the ceremony time that I that I experienced in 2019, there's just something powerful when you rise, let's say, methodically a night. Your identity is forever changed. You're no longer an apprentice. You're you're a knight. You've been promoted. You think of Balin in the kingdom of heaven where he's been knighted from his dad. And then at, towards the end of the film in Jerusalem, in the walls, he gets everyone to kneel down servants uh, cooks um, everybody farmers and he knights them all mm. and you just see this beautiful scene don't you of the yes. camera going around and looking at their faces and they're like again like me and ed coming to colorado they were forever changed for eternity something had shifted fundamentally and that's what's happened to me something shifted fundamentally and so how I've how God has been inviting me to rise over over the years is now I believe a track for me to begin to um, share. And how that's happening at the moment is one of these assignments is called the Explorer Expedition. And so recently within my my uh, sweep, my work, I invited ten people. Uh, on a, a quest and I, I curated a, a program and a, a PDF just explaining what we're going to be going after in this time. So three month um, quest below the iceberg, mm. inviting people into um, not, not of a faith, just, just kind of normal everyday people into big themes to think about, to be able to listen deeply to their life what might be speaking and just all these threads. And then we go on this three day adventure expedition into the wild. And so I've just completed that this year. Beautiful. Um, so that was one track that's starting. Another one is the let's keep rising podcast channel. Now I need this myself. Like these are all things I need, but as Frederick Buechner says, the place God calls you to 
is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. And so what's really beautiful about this, Morgan, is these these tracks are they're places that my deep gladness is is and resides. Mm. And yet they meet a need. And this is this is the way. This is the way God operates here. It's like, you know, I'm glad to do it. And God has a plan as well to help other people. Hmm. He knows what I need and he knows what this could be for other people potentially. And so I'm risking, again, these are all risks as well. I'm risking sharing my life with more people. You know, this is very new for me, uh, sharing my voice, sharing story. So I'm an apprentice. I'm learning how to do that better. And the last assignment is for this year, is facilitating a one of your retreats, Morgan, over here. So becoming a king retreat. So bringing men together from across industries, locations, church groups, to facilitate an environment um, for masculine community and initiation. And so that's where God has me. That's where he has me. And all this in the backdrop of I have three children and a full-time role. Um, and yet... God is making the impossible possible. I'm able to do some of this in my work day. And, you know, God's making a way where there seems no way. And I finish work at five. Hmm. And so it's um, it's astonishing. Um, so it's very early, all of this this year. Um, but that's kind of what's unfolding hmm. and where I am right now. No, Rob, I'm so proud of you. And I initiated this conversation because I trust you and I trust men's lives under your care. And one of the core beliefs that I have come to in these two decades of initiation is we offer who we have become, nothing more and nothing less. The questions of parenting, the questions of marriage, the questions of brotherhoods, the questions of vocation, in many ways, they are all one question. What is it that I offer? And the response begins with, well, who have you become? And Rob, what I see, what I observe, what I've benefited from in all of this is you have become a trustworthy king. And as you said, that's not an arrival point, that it, it's a way of living in the world where, as Lewis says, we are always and forever beginners, that we become lifetime apprentices, that we know it's all God's, it belongs to him, that ultimately we are stewards of people and things, of realms in this world. And every nighting, is merely an invitation to the next level of loving and serving and partnering, participating with God to bring his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so as we close this episode, I just want to invite our listeners to be curious through Rob's story, through these flashpoints and these moments, these eternal moments that we're recovering, these mile markers of masculine initiation, what would it look like to believe that the father's ongoing initiation of the masculine soul will have the final word in your story? That he is inviting you as he is inviting us through a guided process. 
in his initiation of us as his sons to mature, to mature in oneness with God, to mature as integrated, wholehearted men is the primary theme, the primary interpretive grid, the primary orientation that we were intended to have in order that we can see everything else clearly. Rob, I'm really honored that you take this time and I would love to pick up a part two of this conversation sometime soon to go even deeper. That sounds great, Morgan. Um, really, as we said before the call, you know, we both turned up being curious together. You know, we're at different waypoints on, on our journeys of initiation and being initiated. But what a joy it is for the like-hearted to get together and to share story that it may encourage our hearts and the hearts of our listeners. So what an honor to be here. Thank you, Morgan. Friends, my intention with the Become Good Soil podcast is to offer more than simply content. What I hope that you walk away with, with every podcast, is a sense that you have encountered God, that more of God has come to more of you. And so as always, we want to conclude this Become Good Soil podcast episode with 90 seconds to simply be still, to recover your breath, to invite God, the Father, Christ, and the Holy Spirit to minister to you, to nourish you, to strengthen you, to care for you, to offer what you most deeply need in this moment in your story before transitioning to other things. The final gift of this podcast is to pause and receive 90 seconds. So I invite you here of 90 seconds of stillness to be with God, and then we'll see you later on a future episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. Thanks for joining us.